0: Hello, welcome to Fear and Trembling with Horror, the podcast that brings all things horror into conversation with philosophy, theology, religion, literature, you know, just the stuff of good old life. I'm one of your hosts, my name's Jared, and I'm joined with my good buddy Ryan here. The basis of our friendship is we'd like to remind everyone started over discussing horror films in our dorm room way, way long ago. How are you doing, my friend? Are you doing well, Ryan?
1: Yes, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, Much, much too long ago, it seems.
0: Uh, You were doing you were doing well long ago, or you're.
1: Uh, you yes, Uh, well, no, I'm doing better now than I was then. Maybe
0: how's that? (laughs) Good, good. Well, I'm not so (laughs) good. Uh, I had to take an antibiotic this week for an oral surgery coming up, and I'm having a severe allergic reaction to it. So, like, I'm hive covered and itchy and it's just a mess Uh, i'm glad we're not terrible i'm glad we're not videoing this because (laughs) i look rough yeah
1: yeah Yeah.
0: i look rough on today's episode we should probably cut to it on today's episode we're going to one of the greats of the horror film canon we are going to a movie that is genuinely scary it scares most people i know that watch it it's a film that um People whisper about and they re-release and people sneak to go see it. They don't want their coworkers or neighbors to know that they might be into this film because sometimes this film seems so close to reality or what they imagine reality to be like. What
1: they imagine reality. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what am I talking about? What movie are we talking about, Ryan?
1: We are talking about the Exorcist.
0: Oh yes. My 11-year-old daughter Marcella and I were in a bookstore this past winter, it was a rare bookstore, and they had the book, The Exorcist for sale, first edition signed for a couple thousand dollars. And she she looks at it and she goes, she was 10 at the time, so she's like, "Daddy, what's The Exorcist?" And I said, "Oh, well, it's about a demon possession." And she goes, "Can I have that book? I want to read about it." <laughs> no. For two reasons. One, I ain't paying that much money for that book. And two, you're too young to read it. And uh, anyway, it was interesting because there is certainly an attraction to it. Uh, Coming to it is almost like feeling like you're coming into a secret bit of knowledge. Like you're being invited to a club that has a secret bit of knowledge because there is so much lore and superstition and I would say Hollywoodized mythology and, well, then and then you know social around, outrage, <laughs> and then truth. All yeah, but then truth yeah. all around uh, demonic possession and the practice of exorcism. Mm. Now, now, today we're doing the exorcist, but we're also going to be talking in the next two films. We're going to talk about the last uh, or the uh, the, uh, exorcism, the exorcism exorcism
1: of Emily Rose, of yes. Emily
0: Rose. That's right, and then the last exorcism. Uh, those are our top three. I think our top three exorcist. Or demon possession films. They are mine anyway. Are they yours too?
1: They are. They are. I'm It's hard to find better ones. You know, we. I recently watched. I think with you and uh, your your young lady wife.
0: My good lady your, wife. Your
1: good lady wife. Yes. <laughs> uh, the Pope's Exorcist with Russell Crowe and, you know. Y- <laughs>
0: I don't There's say nothing you've new. Seen
1: one. You you've seen one. You've seen them all, but that's not entirely. Yeah, you know, and that, that's what I like about these three films uh, that we're going to be talking about. Um, you know, The Exorcist, the OG. You know, um, and then The Exorcism of Emily Rose kind of did something different. I remember seeing that one in the theater. We'll talk about that in that episode. And then The Last Exorcist, <laughs> I think we both really enjoyed. Just for the, just for the dramatics of it, you know, and we'll talk about that in that episode as well. But coming back to this exorcist film, I, I, the lore and everything around it it was real. I was allowed to watch a lot of things as a child. Much of it, I shouldn't have been able to watch.
0: That's why, that's why you're so messed up. That is why you are a freak.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, It's me trying to redeem my past, I'm sure. More on that later. I don't think uh, you're a freak, but there were there were there were really two films that m- my mom and she was the one that that greenlit me watching horror films at much too young of an age. But there were two films that my mom is l- she, she listening to loose. this? Hopefully, like and, sc- like and subscribe, mom, please. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there were two films. The first one was uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre because oh, she gosh, yeah. uh, wrongly wrongly thought that that was a true story. It's only based of, in one little... Because un, of the, un- the, the mythology need, yeah. surrounding that film.
0: Well, it also feels like it was real. I mean, it feels <laughs> yeah, that... Yeah, yeah. that yeah, the the yeah. aesthetic
1: of of uh, Toby Hoffers' yeah, film... But we're not is, talking is, about that one, yeah. so... We're not talking about that. And on, then Cowboy. it was The Exorcist. It was The Exorcist, um, the, the original that we're talking about today. And it was, again, because of all those things... The, the the cultural and, and social powers that surrounded the film, and she was a let's see she was born in sixty three,
0: so quit she was 10 talking movie, about your mom like this, quit outing her ten
1: when she, ten when it came out, so she was right around Reagan's age and a teenager, you know Reagan right around, is a character in the show. Yes, she is a twelve year old. I know I, I tease all the time.
0: No, you, you just our, no context with you.
1: Our fans are. Our listeners, our listener, are used to it by now.
0: <laughs> but yeah,
1: no, these three are very hard to match. I think they're, I think they're the
0: benchmark. I I'm certainly, let, yeah. Let, let me say something, and I want you to do our over, overview for us, if you wouldn't mind. I, I want to say that mm, mm. I rented this movie uh, on the on the QT and the DL from a Video Review when I was a kid, when I was about junior high for like a party, and uh, you know I got to see it in my downstairs and and with friends and that was all very fun and then it came out uh they re-released it and it came out in the theater with some with some cut scenes um and and I went to go see it with some college friends and it was it was you know I didn't disappoint in the theater as well so uh, do
1: you remember which scenes were cut could you tell?
0: Yeah, this one, she runs down the, uh, stair, the stairway upside down like a spider with her neck turned around. I believe there's something with a, with a crucifix as well. That,
1: oh, I it, remember that part. Yes.
0: <laughs> I, All wrote right. that,
1: I wrote that down in my film journal.
0: Oh, dear God. I don't mm-hmm. want to see this journal. But why don't you go ahead and give us a 50,000-foot overview of The Exorcist? For those people yes. who don't want to live on the ground with it, they <laughs> just like to peer from the sky. Go ahead and give it to us.
1: Yeah. So 50,000 foot view of the exorcist. We have, it opens with, uh, father Marin. He's on a, an archeological dig somewhere in Northern Iraq. And that's where he, he comes through this dig. He comes face to face with a, a, a demonic looking statue. And that's going to play heavily later in the film. And, after we get through with that dig, we the story f- focuses on a character named uh, Chris McNeil, played by Ellen Bernstein. Bernstein? Burstyn. Bernstein. Bernstein. Sorry, I'm a Hoosier.
0: <clears throat> you should check. Anyway. You should check before you say <laughs> things like people's names.
1: <laughs> yeah, I should. So, uh, Chris She is an actress and she is in town. She is in town for a film shoot. And she notices one of the, one of the days she notices a, um, a young priest that's watching her, um, watching her. Um, because it's on the steps of the steps of a church and we come to find out that this actress chris has a young daughter named reagan and she's 12 years old so whenever you said marcella was 10 i'm like oh wow she's actually kind of close and you know she is uh she is an actress you know she she doesn't have much belief she's high, part of high society she lives in a home with servants and um they take care of her. They watch, you know, they watch her daughter. And it seems to be a, a normal, like, a normal life for her. And then things start to get a little weird. And it happens one night. This party, this is like the first kind of, first little bit of, uh, hey, things are, things are not right. Reagan shows up. She's, she's all, you know, she's happy at the party. And then later she comes down in her nightgown while her parent you know while her mom is talking to all her friends and she's standing there and they all kind of look at her and she just goes to the bathroom right there on the floor and then tells an astronaut that he's gonna die up
0: there we call and that, they all just kind of we call that little potty she went little potty
1: yes she went little potty
0: and then she went like freaky prophetic in
1: the yes room. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah- and
1: we we don't know if the the astronaut actually died in space or not but you know it was uh <laughs> interesting and so, you've got that storyline, and where uh, there's another storyline that's going on with this other this other priest, the other kind of main character that's not Father Marin. Um, it is Father. How do you pronounce his name? Damien, Carus? K-
0: Damien Karras. Dr. Damien Karras. Yes. yes. So, they, so he's, he's a Jesuit. He's, a, he's got his PhD or his STD uh, in sacred theology. Yeah. And uh, he, he's who's who you accused of being young, although he doesn't look young to me. In this.
1: <laughs> he's younger than Father Marin. Correct. Uh, than uh, Max von uh, 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 Sido. Sido?
0: Dude, just stop. I just stop. Just tell the story. Anyway. you and the names. You and you and the names. Me and my names. Listen, here's anyway, the Anyway, he, so he, Father, he is doubting his faith. You yes, mustn't forget this. And he's been he talking is, about it out loud. He's doubting his faith. Yes.
1: He actually wants a different post. And he's he's friends with uh a priest that was at this party and witnessed the, the girl peeing and this, this this prophetic prophecy of that he's gonna die moving along Chris is like oh this something's not right and puts Reagan to sleep that night but Reagan ends up in her mom's bed uh, saying that her bed was shaking and so things start to get a whole lot worse from there they only go only go sideways and Chris as you might expect mother you know single parent daughter's kind of her world she is really grasping at straws to find a solution to Reagan's troubles and she sees doctors after doctor, you know, they do all yeah, kinds of tests.
0: Let's just say she, her, her behavior gets worse and worse and worse. She take her, yes. takes her to doctors. She tries everything. She's getting frustrated. She's a single mom, her daughter who she loves is super sweet at sometimes super angry at other times. And next thing you know, there's a situation where they think they need to call a priest.
1: Yes. And this is her last option. And I think that's important to note as well. This is Chris. Like, they've they've basically given her the option of like medically sedating her and committing her into a mental asylum because of her issues that they that they think, and she's at the end of her, you know, she's at the end of the rope here. Which I and, think I
0: think I'm just going to throw in here too, and say that that's actually ac- accurate for the the Ministry of. Uh, possession in the Catholic church. Uh, pose- uh, exorcism is the last step uh, yeah. after all kinds of psych and medical evaluations.
1: Yes. So she has nowhere to turn, no help from anywhere else. And she basically tells Father Karras this. And he's like, I, you know, I could do an evaluation. And, you know, he kind of does an evaluation and he, he's like, it wasn't holy water need something else. And basically Chris is like, there is no one else. I like, you're my last chance to well, help, also, my, help my daughter.
0: Yeah. Also what's interesting is because he's doubting his faith. Like for him, his, his, his call to action is in his hero story is that as he is a man doubting his faith, now, I mentioned, he was a Jesuit, and the Jesuits are highly interested in education. The, the Their founder was Ignatius of Loyola, and all these Loyola colleges and universities and high schools are all over the world because of the emphasis on education. And a lot of Jesuits can be very scholastic in their thinking, a lot of uh, uh, the, the kind of logic and proofs that, uh, depending on what area of scholasticism we're talking about, kind of presages the Enlightenment mind. Um, uh, kind of veers away from the mystical. Um, yeah. However, that's, that's painting with too broad a brush. So here he is in this doubtful place, but his call to action is like, well, if I need proof of the divine, I can prove it through the proofs of the evil. <laughs> and yeah. so then he's interested in taking on the case.
1: Yeah, and he basically, after his encounter with Reagan, he basically gets convinced that she's speaking other languages. And I believe ends up taking that recording to his bishop.
0: Yeah, not, to, not like ancient languages, right? It's an ancient yes. language?
1: Yes. And so the his bishop is like you need somebody else that's experienced that has done this. And that's where Father maron comes in, the priest that was on the archaeological dig in the very beginning of the film. That that's going to come back up. And so he is now going to be the lead exorcist with Father Caris supporting him. And so it's basically his show and things go.
0: (laughs) And for those of you who've seen the cover, this is the iconic visual of the priest getting uh, understanding under the streetlight with a hat and a coat and his briefcase. that has all of his liturgical and sacramental uh, gifts. And the demon,
1: you know, seemed to expect him to show up. So as he walks at the first time he walks into the house, you can hear his name being called from Reagan's room and it's, it's a crisis situation for Chris and Reagan and everybody in the house. And, you know, it's kind of showing up at the last, this last minute, you know, trying to, he's here, he's here to save the day, if you will. And so they prepare to go into the exorcism for the first time. And there's a lot of preparation father and each each priest has their own roles and they they go into they go into the room and this is where some of the the starkest images (laughs) if you will or the hardest things to watch happen
0: yeah so it is uh yeah it's 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 all blasphemy so there are people who watch it, and and they're very pious people of one sort or another. Typically, I think of the think of the, the reaction as very fundamentalist because uh, it it is an aversion to the cinematic, artistic portrayal, and not just that it's not just that it's portraying heresy, but they act as though it is heretical in and of itself to act that way to make a larger point. But that's mm-hmm. neither here nor there. Uh, there's the blasphemy uh, take uh, certain things with the, that the demon says in the Lord's name. Uh, there's certain things done with crucifixes. Uh, you, the spoilers abound. you should know that every time we do it. very one, harsh yes, there's spoilers. and you know <laughs> it gets it just just like any battle, uh, it gets worse and worse and worse throughout the film. Now I should point out that the demon's name is Pizazu. Which is a, a, a you know where Father Marin was digging, they found this uh, demon figure and the uh, Saint Joseph's medal, actually. Mm. So there's a uh, there's Saint Joseph's medal and this demon demonic figure in the in the dig, and that's Pizzazzu, okay. And now this Pizzazzu's been waiting for Father Marin to show up. He comes rolling in. And as I said, things escalate, and you were talking Escal- about some of the more starker. Images. Yeah, wow, that
1: escalated very quickly.
0: <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. Okay, and so then, boom! At some point here, what, what you know, this is getting worse and worse and worse. Of course, her head does a 360. She she pukes. It's famously a uh, pea soup that she's spitting out at, on the. At pretty-
1: this point, we know it's not psychosis.
0: Right yeah, superhuman strength, freaking There's stuff. something afoot. Now, Maron is uh absolutely believing in Pozazu here always, right? Mhm. And There's
1: never a doubt on Father Maron's part ne- about who or what he's dealing with.
0: Never a doubt. Damien Caris is struggling still in this dark night of the soul, faith, no faith, and eventually at some point the demon goes into the body of Damien Caris. So, Karras. It,
1: it's interesting it's important to point out that the buy-in comes for Father Karis when the demon starts talking about his mother, who is deceased, and died in the mental hospital due to financial, the financial situation that he was in, and torments him that your mother's you know your mother's here with me with us. And that really affects him and affects then the exorcism as well. So that's where he starts to get kind of drawn into the whole process. And there is that, that, that struggle and that conflict. And he is forced to leave by father Marin at a key point, at a key stopping point or pause in the battle. And he leaves and Father Marin stays, and throughout the, the whole film, you see him taking medicine due to some type of physical condition that's not ever explicit, explicitly expressed in the movie. And you can see him trembling and shaking, and it's not necessarily from anything; it's from the exhaustion that he's experienced, the physical exhaustion from the exorcist or the exorcism from the battle, if you will. And the camera cuts and we're back out with Father Karras. And whenever he comes back, he discovers things have gotten really bad. Now, how much How much of this do we want to say? Because we're nearing the end of this story.
0: I've so, tried to say it already. The demon yes, spoilers. enters.
1: Yes, the demon he, enters. Finds, he finds Father Marin dead.
0: Right. The demon enters uh, Father Karras because he can. And he can because Marin is dead, and Father Karras, even though he's coming, having this battle in his own faith, it's not a stable faith. It's a shaky faith. And so the demon cast himself or itself out of Regan into his body. Upon and,
1: request. That's y- important.
0: Yes, uh, You keep taking okay, you keep spoiling every punchline I'm about to give. So, I'm sorry, I'm gonna come up to Indianapolis and get you slap me. Never,
1: (laughs) I deserve that.
0: (laughs) Nevertheless, uh, it's upon request, everybody. And the demon goes into Father Karis. he leaps out of the window as a sacrificial, uh, act of, of self love. And he goes down these creepy stair, this creepy staircase, and it's in Georgetown. We didn't mention before, and mm-hmm. uh, you know. Then, therefore, uh, poor Reagan is no longer haunted. Um, uh, there's a, there's a beautifully kind of ending scene where you see where this all took place, mm-hmm. with uh, just kind of the absence and the haunting absence that, that's there, and uh, yeah. For a lot of audience goers, it ends pretty bleakly. It looks <laughs> as though bleakly. evil has reigned. But in terms of the themes of this movie, I think it's much more than, than evil beating up on a poor, helpless little girl or <laughs> evil even taking over a priest. Uh, yeah. I, I think actually this is a story that's really about the power of faith. Okay, my friends, that's our overview for now. Right now, we're going to move the discussion to themes. And for me, when I look at this movie as a whole, the most prominent theme I feel coming out of it is one over faith or unfaith um, mm-hmm. or lack of faith and, and what that means. Um, the other one is a, cin- a cinematic theme that, that commentators have noted on beautifully. And that, and that is the presence of Pizazu and how that's introduced every time to kind of create a sense of, of dread and uh, mm-hmm. I'll get to that as well. And then when I talk about that that, that absence of faith, um, I, I kind of want to drill home this uh, maybe a that this may have even more Protestant flavor to it than a more just a, a baseline Catholic flavor. To the mm. theology, but I, but that I might not be so certain of. i it Just it's interesting to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's let's start first with that cinematic theme. How Pazuzu is introduced? Well, well, firstly, right after Father Marin in, in, in Iraq finds that that image of pizzazu this this demon, mm-hmm. um, it has a strange scene. Well, first off, you find it, yeah. and then the wind starts kind of gusting through. Yes, every time the demon is present. Is preceded by wind blowing through. That's and what the commentators have noticed. Which is beautiful filmmaking.
1: Sure, absolutely. The camera work, the way they have, the way the camera slowly moves in those scenes in in the archaeological dig. Just the the framing, the perspective. It's interesting to me that, and I didn't know this because you know I just didn't. In ancient Mesopotamian religion, Pazuzu is the personification of the Southwestern wind and held kinship over wind demons. So using wind and movement of, to depict his presence is is executed very well.
0: And I think it does build, it builds anticipation because it's the wind, it's the music, it's the framing. Every time there's this anticipation, like when when is the evil going to lurk? from behind the shadow and come out pounce. Right. And at the end of that first bit that's in Northern Iraq, there, there are these wild dogs fighting and it's almost bizarre when you first watch it. It's, it's like there's ravenously barking and fighting at each other. And you think to yourself, what's this got to do with anything? They weren't not with Marin uh, digging up Pizazu's image or anything like that. What's, what's this, what's the whole, what's the rumpus about here? But isn't that interesting? The presence of Pizazu always brings discord. Mm. Always brings discord. Always brings discord in the form of violence. Um, there, there, there is. People have commented a lot on, um, on, on the threefold structure of, like, uh, k- kind of a, uh, a creation and then the movement of decreation or uncreation. And then to recreation, so so there's yeah. always something that goes awry that then is made stronger because of it. in in the in the whole in the Old Testament book of Psalms, there is it's called uh, the Psalms of orientation. There are songs of creation, yeah. songs of songs of wholeness, songs that are establishing, and then there are songs of uh, disorder, right or uncreation where things are going haywire, things are going wrong. And then the Psalms of reorientation. Mm -hmm. This is almost, uh, well, it probably is found in Jung as well as kind of an archetypal narrative storytelling structure. Um, And it's supposed to be that on the other side of all of it, the protagonist or the hero on the journey becomes stronger for having gone through the crisis, whether Mm. it's a crisis of life, a crisis of home, a crisis of faith. Yeah. So you see the dogs at it, and then all of a sudden, you know, we see it in Reagan, and then basically the exorcism rite is seen as a battle, which yes. is interesting because the real rite of, exorc- of exorcism um, – Firstly, you have the Bible where Jesus casts out demons. It doesn't seem like this epic battle, and <laughs> right? Then right.
1: Have, it doesn't seem like this at all. <laughs>
0: then you have then you have what the Roman Catholic rite is, and some people call, call it secrecy stuff. It's a series of prayers, yeah, and, and, the,
1: and the Lord's prayer being like the key.
0: Yeah, and in baptismal liturgies, right? Uh, yeah, and the, the the godparents renounce Satan. This is this isn't a, a small exorcism. I Anytime mean, you're renouncing evil, renouncing the devil, renouncing the the anti of Christ, right? The, the one who's right. opposed to the ways of Christ. That is an exorcism. So it can be as simple as just saying you're no longer welcome, right? Uh, <laughs> Get out. <laughs> of course, there are Pentecostal versions and other church versions that are they are just as dramatic as a Roman rite, but they mm. are more effective, meaning emotional. Um, here it's definitely emotional. It's got the arcane medieval look to it, and it seems like a very big battle of wills. Yes. It seems like a battle of wills, but it's really a battle of belief and a battle of faith, I think.
1: That's how that that's how I, it translates to me. The the way Father Marin encounters the statue in the very beginning. You talk about chaos. He was walking up he's walking up like a hill of the dig and then there's like earth kind of breaks away and dust and clouds go up into the the air and the statues kind of revealed and so there's all this kind of like chaos in the particle world happening between father marin and the statue of pazazu and from there you know that that battle if you will of belief are two like primary primary characters in this film one a jesuit priest that's struggling with doubt and then an agnostic and chris you know she's she doesn't believe in religion and is kind of takes a i don't know kind of like a a disdain towards the institutional church like she's not like she's not going to church on sundays and she's she kind of has a it's not a not as bad of a a view of the institutional church that we encountered in Rosemary's Baby, but it's just not a part of her
0: life. Tomas Salik, the Czech thinker, calls it apathyism, right? So it's not—it's mm. not so much an atheism that says, "I do not believe this is." I, in fact, I, I know that God doesn't exist. It, right? It's apathetic. It's—it's it's not even interested in that question. Uh, hasn't really wrestled with the question in a long time. That question has been sleeping in the back room for a long time, so you don't <laughs> even really concern yourself with it. Right. But, uh, yeah, in the, in the question of the battles, who's it between? Is it, is it for the life of Reagan, or she's just an unwitting pawn in this? It seems as though the demon wants Marin, Father Merrin, as, yes. as his prize. And along the way, he gets to wreak havoc in the life of this family, as well as Father Karras um yeah. and and it's you know is marin the a, a victim because he dies through it through the exhaustion uh, mm. seems seems as well like it another thing that cinematically it's beautiful that the filmmakers do and and i, I you know i've just read about this through the years is they intercut cut a just a still or a slide of pizzazzu's face mm. uh, whenever pizzazzu shows up um reagan's face if you were to pause it at the right time uh Has the uh, tra- or transpose on the Transposed. face is is, hmm. is Pizazzu, right Yeah, and certainly certain times on different images, pizzazu's face is there. Another indicator, just like the southwesterly wind, mm-hmm. uh, that, that Pizazzu is about to show up, and yeah, whether or not we register that uh, cognitively or we just feel it, I mean, our maybe, bodies
1: subconsciously register it, <laughs>
0: or maybe we don't feel it at all. But it is a nice, yeah. it is a nice intention to do that too. To kind of hat tip, here it comes. Here yeah, it comes, yeah. and uh, that's another beautiful piece. I think of cinematic. It, interesting
1: in the conflict conversation. It's something that I wrote. It's something that I wrote down. Uh, I said, uh, "Ah, the Ouija board," because it it does come to our attention that Reagan is playing with a Ouija board and she's in contact with somebody named Captain Howdy. And her mom just kind of looks at her funny whenever she's playing with the Ouija board in the basement. And you can kind of see Reagan having made like some clay statues and, and miniature statues. And we find out that a statue of the Virgin Mary had been vandalized and had breasts and a penis added on to the statue. Right. And while that's happening, Reagan is playing with clay and making these statues and talking to somebody named captain howdy and i I just I had to laugh you know uh the Ouija board uh i don't know why I laughed, but i you know I remember uh,
0: You laugh because you're a child of the era of satanic panic, and you had a a wildly liberal mother who lets you watch all (laughs) those.
1: I never got to mess with the Ouija board because she had an experience with it once and wouldn't let us play with it.
0: But she lets you Um, watch all them. She wouldn't even let
1: me touch the box in Children's Palace. Was it made by
0: by them Parker Brothers, who were obviously part of (laughs) the old cult? And them Parker Brothers, they had them machines. uh, They were all, uh, you know, infested with the demons and such. You know as is popularly known yes. at any rate yes you're right
1: uh, <laughs> at any rate the, and but and she, you notice
0: how maren the strongest of the faith of all maren is not a uh, quote-unquote offended by all the um uh, all the uh, blasphemy
1: the blasphemy yeah
0: like you should it's almost be. like he
1: doesn't even notice he's he and he tries to tell father father caris this he's like don't don't engage with the demon don't don't talk to it just pray just sit there and pray that's your job
0: Father Karras um, is not necessarily uh, looking like he's he's concerned over the blasphemy himself. This that's right. a shocking tactic. And, and 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 again, you know, we've asked the question earlier in uh, in the series when we're talking about Halloween. Like, well, what is evil for this movie? And a friend of ours mm. wants be thinks we should ask that of every movie we watch. What what is evil to the to this film? And I think this might be getting really close to the to that definition of evil that, that Augustine put forward as a as a privation of goodness, right? Mm. It's the willful volition of good creatures turn wrong or <laughs> you know it it's not a thing <laughs> yeah. it's not an essence. Piizzazu' is not an essence. Pizzazu is an active person, a demonic person or a person right. diabolique um but still a person nonetheless who uh makes decisions for chaos and and to be. Uh, part of the disordering of things right the wreckage and the carnage of things in this world and so blasphemy becomes a shock and awe it shows that uh it's ju- it's just like anybody who wants to, to 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 do graffiti on a on a nice piece of uh of architecture in the city You're you're trying to to basically take it down several notches
1: you're, yeah.
0: you're saying it's not valuable as you think as people think it's valuable that's what it is here father marin can see right through it uh, father curis yeah. is not as interested because he's He's caught up in his mind on is this real? Is this not real? What kind of psychosis could this be? Is this <laughs> right. psychosis? And and that's another interesting thing. Like I said, in the Catholic Church, you would not go through exorcism without all of the psychosis. Without all of
1: that, right? It, I I found probably the sh- you said shock and awe. There were in the in in the end battle scenes, as we're as we're calling it. I wasn't necessarily. Shocked or awed or terrified, in, in in the normal way. I think the most shocking scene to me when you talk about that evil, like what does Pizzazzu want? Uh, he he uh, he basically calls Reagan a sow, so he calls her a pig, and he said this sow is mine. So he wanted to possess. Very
0: intentionally called her a yes. pig,
1: but. The thing for me was, you know, let Jesus f you as she's um, doing bad things with with the. Uh, she's using
0: you know, the crucifix in a the crucifix,
1: yes, incredibly and,
0: blasphemous way.
1: Um, he's basically it's hard to watch because she's stabbing herself. And, and, we got it. And, we got it. Yes, but <laughs> and then he he basically makes her mother l- like try to lick her. That was that was tough to watch because. You know, of all the things that the crucifix and Jesus's death symbolize, etc., etc., uh, we could get into that. But I think that's the that's that perversion, you know that that you're you're talking about.
0: To yeah, the extreme. it is. It is. It is. It is sowing disorder and chaos. Yeah, you know, and you know, and, and certainly in ancient biblical sources, Leviathan, the great sea monster, and chaos. Well, yes. Chaos. Chaos is not orderly. Orderlies of the divine, so this is the second step in that three-part journey. Mm -hmm. Chaos, chaos, chaos. That's what this demon's about. And you're right, you noted that uh, calling um, Reagan a sow uh, is interesting because Father Karras dies by receiving... The pizzazz in his own body, and then he hurls himself out the window. And there's that famous story of the Gospels where Jesus casts the demons out into a flock or flock until uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, a flock of flying pigs. Yes, uh, <laughs> hell is frozen over. Uh, yes, into a, a pack of pigs or whatever they're yes. called, a pack of pigless man. And what are they, they called they, a, a bunch of hogs, and Heard? they go and they go running off into the sea. And they die and, off the cliff. And, yes, and it, it them- thematically, it's interesting in the Bible because the pig is an unclean animal, not good for eating, and uh, so the, the sacred the sacred nature of the human person is redeemed, and not <laughs> what is only harmed here is the uh, the unclean animal, so to speak. Mm. Uh, but where this final battle between faith and doubt lies is in the weakness of Father Karras, because he doesn't have a strong faith. He should not be in the room. Yeah. Uh, Marin has the strong faith and leads, but Father Karras ultimately is overcome. He's overcome by despair. He doesn't see an answer after Marin is is dead. And, right. And so he's overcome by despair. He He has not emerged from the chaos and the disorder with renewed sense of... Courage. And I mean, that's virtuous. Yeah.
1: Sense. I, for, for me, I, I think I, oh, well, that.
0: done. Sorry, but he does Sorry. emerge. He still emerges with. See, you see what you did
1: there.
0: I see what you did. Again. No, he emerges. He emerges strong. Uh, and the, the, the only way he emerges strong and courageous is in perhaps the way that really matters. And, and that, that is in a form of life giving love. Yeah. Um, but did that need to be the answer? Did that or did that not did that have to be the result? I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think so because I think it was his weakness of faith. Now, see, this is where I said this could be more Protestant. Yeah. There, there is this, there is this. It's a probably a sharp and false dichotomy, but. <laughs> it, it, it's something uh, something like this that, you know, Aren't they always? the sacraments or the holy things that happen in the Catholic Church work, they're effective, regardless mm. of where faith is. If the priest has a weak faith, a strong faith, if the b- practitioner has a weak or strong faith, it matters it's not. It's the thing itself, right? Mm. It's the thingness mm. of the sacrament that that is effective. Yeah. Whereas in Protestantism, it doesn't really, um, the things don't really matter unless they're imbued with faith. So... The crucifix, by its nature, in the Catholic Church is, is got it's infused with grace and meaning. Whereas,
1: mm-hmm.
0: perhaps the cross in a Protestant church isn't, unless the wielder of the cross has faith.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I, I always say that you know uh, in Anne Rice's books, the, the vampire is a uh, elite, well, is it best a <laughs> Protestant vampire? Or in Dracula, he, mm-hmm. he, you know it, he it's it's filling this uh, this Catholic worldview. Or in this Catholic world in the story but uh, the crosses don't work unless they're believed in um, mm. there's a more problem well, that's because
1: Dracula stabbed the cross on the heart and then drank Jesus's blood and became a vampire right no am I confused
0: Well you're watching movies but uh, <laughs> okay yeah
1: I, yeah no so so I, I think I think you're right I think he I think he makes the turn. Towards the, the the tangible thing that he can see, he he sees this little girl suffering, and he says, "Take me," and he sacrifices. You know, he sacrifices himself for Reagan. And there is something to be said about that. I don't know if that shows a. I don't know what that says about his faith. And his priest friend is like as he's laying, you know, there twitching on the, on the concrete at the bottom of those stairs, his priest friend is reading him his last rites. Like he's going through them, you know, with him. So there is, there is this, this sense of, well, I guess it's a despair. I mean, it, I don't want to say despair because, you know, Reagan is free from the being possessed and from, you know, Pazazoo and his...
0: Captain Howdy. All the things that
1: happen with that, yeah. Captain Howdy. Well, you know what,
0: what? What, I'm, what I'm saying is, let me try to be clear about it, what I, what I am saying is, is he ultimately shows a kind of uh, a faithful courage of reorder, right, or, mm-hmm. or restoration, because he sacrifices himself... And that is an act of love, which is the ultimate sacramental act. It's the ultimate act of grace. It's the ultimate act of God in Western or in all Christianity. Uh, However, uh, if he had faith, I don't think he would have had to have done this. He could have withstood. Yes. And and I think that that is, it's like a cautionary tale. The mm. cautionary tale of the movie so so you hear a lot of language about Christianity here because I think this movie is a, a fundamentally a Christian film and it's baked at least it's baked in that worldview but I actually think it makes Christian points of view pretty clear a- and pretty clear and and, and the, the, the the point of it is um about having this faith a developed faith a, a, uh, a matured faith to be able to go up against the powers of disorder and chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, giving it a face of a demon and the name of a demon is certainly <laughs> more terrifying than using categories like disorder and chaos. <laughs> right. Yet, chaos and disorder, when one is facing them, is, is incredibly terrifying. I don't care if that means that you're living in a famine, or if you're being flooded, or if it is, quote-unquote, something supernatural. Um, yeah or just beyond your ability to understand. Uh, one thing that should be said is uh, even in this age of scientific reasoning that we live in there, there's so much that it cannot really truly account for and right. so much that can still scare us.
1: When I wrote that down in my notes, I said, e- wow, even back in the seventies, we were peddling pills.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think one of the, the the lessons of this, this film or the reasons why it might scare us universally is because not just because of the 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 pea soup and the throwing up and the superhuman strength and all those things are just, oh gosh so terrifying. But one of the things that mm. it really shows is quite fundamentally, if we're not ready, if we're not ready to face it, we may have no answer. Right. And I'm talking what it is could be anything that is chaotic. How
1: how do you how do you respond to evil in the world? Right. And I think that's the that's the big question: whether it's. I usually buy
0: it a candy bar and a Coke.
1: right. <laughs> I need some pup. I'm going to eat my feelings. <laughs> no, I said buy
0: it like it's a friend. Oh
1: right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey man, just come on in. I I got a got a Coke right right down here. Yeah, it's and one of the things that we didn't talk about, you know, throughout the whole film is the prominence of the Eucharist, and what that what that as a. Uh, as a sacrament signifies
0: self giving love,
1: self giving love. Well, in it the way that it should shape our imagination as to what it is and what it does.
0: Well, it is there, there is the balance, right? So the demon is a spiritual being, and then through Reagan made flesh, through uh, Karis made flesh, right? Entering mm-hmm. it or entering into. Uh, whereas, uh, Jesus is God made flesh and in the sacrament of the Catholic church with transubstantiation, the blood and the wine become the body and blood of Jesus. So it's, it's word made flesh. And so, yeah. uh, but one of them has greater efficacy and that is the Eucharist yeah. uh, because it's the divine identifying with the broken world to elevate the broken world out of the chaos.
1: To elevate it and to restore it.
0: Yeah, yes. It's
1: the answer to evil
0: right in this in the, yes in this film right in
1: this film and i would yeah i would argue in in the greatest expressions of the christian faith
0: that all right all right we're talking about this film so I what did know, you like about, about give me give me a give me a give me a morsel of something you liked about it one thing i'm gonna say what's one thing that really jumped out and just you just it, it, you thought it was fantastic Well, while you're think, waiting,
1: yeah, yeah, well, let, yeah, let me think about that.
0: While you're waiting, <laughs> uh, I, I will just go ahead and say, I the, the cinematography is so great, but I, I really, 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 really think—did I say enough reallys? I really think Father Marin's introduction is so—it's uh, iconic. It, mm-hmm. it, this movie was made in the '70s, but it's 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 reaching the level of icon that. Certain Dracula images have reached like Bela Lugosi, where he stands mm-hmm. under the light, yes. wearing what he's wearing and about to enter into the battle right he's got his he's got the tools for his battle and a satchel and yes, the raincoat on and everything and in it, it itself, even though he is to come and help save the day, is in fact very intimidating <laughs>
1: uh, for me, I think the thing that I like the most would be the way the presence of faith is expressed throughout, like with the Eucharist, with the prayers, whether that's that's embodied in Father Marin or whether that's embodied in the, the, the liturgical services that make it onto the screen. Those are the things... Outside of the the shock and awe, the shock and awe things that were mind-blowing at the time that this movie came out in 1973. The way they filmed this, just from a technical perspective, the special effects, just, I mean, Billy Graham said that the celluloid was possessed. Come on. You know, it was, it it was intense. But I think getting past all of that like whenever I close my eyes and I think about the exorcist, it's that scene that you talked about, but it's also those scenes of the priest performing the Eucharist and the the Lord's prayer. And that's what sticks out to me. Because I, I think the thing that, and I'll save this for Hannibal's bites, but that's what I liked about it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I I, I kind of nodded towards people like like Billy Graham in the fundamentalist camp who think that it itself is evil. Uh, I I said I think what fundamentally scares us about the film is this: are we are we going to be ready to actually? Meet the disorder, the chaos, the evil, the violence in our. Am lives. I going to be Father ready? Karis or no. Father Mary? Yeah. Are we going to be Are we going to be ready for it when it comes yeah. and, and, and when that which we can't understand comes right. And it's interesting because so many people I know of that would reject horror films in general because somehow the movie itself could be it a portal to demons or the ghost or the badness in your world. Like it can yeah. accidentally happen because of a piece of art film. It's I, like I usually, gym, I usually laugh behind their backs or something. I know I'm harsh. I'm pretty, I'm trying not to be a judgmental person, but I just don't think it works that way. But I think their fear is pronounced that are wait, are are we unwittingly doing something to open some door? Right. Uh, but nevertheless, let's move it along to criticisms. And, uh, yeah. and let's say it together. It's time for Hannibal's, Hannibal's bites. bites. Hello. Is this Clarice? Oh, hello, Clarice. Well. Hannibal's Bites. Where did the film fail? Yeah, we, I think where we failed is trying to, to say that in unison. But where did the <laughs> – yes? We're not
1: used to we're not used to that cadence yet. That was the first time, everybody. That was our first time. Welcome.
0: Oh, and a commercial break. This uh, episode is brought to you by our wives, who roll their eyes at us and think we're really ridiculous. All thank you, thank you, honey. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um,
1: who am I kidding? She's not going to listen to this. Yeah, it's about the Exorcist. Sure, wife, even look at the
0: picture. My wife is not one, not our one listener. That's for sure. Okay, so where did the <laughs> where did the film fail? I'm not sure that it did anywhere um i think that uh it, it is really well uh, well achieved and mm-hmm. uh, i don't think it goes over the top uh with its effects i think yeah. the way it tells stories really good i think the way it leaves everything untidy at the end is intentional yeah because it's it's asking for more from the audience than simple clean answers
1: <laughs> right yeah it's not your it's not your uh, 1980s slasher right not that I I hate those I love those.
0: Yeah, so I, I I'm not going to say anything. I think I just yeah, bug it.
1: well, it is it is a a well made film, well acted, well directed, well shot. Like I said, the cinematography, the special effects were well ahead of their time from 1973. Like it had people. It had people's minds blown. You had a segment of the population going, it's possessed all prints of that film in different theaters and whatever. So I think for me, I don't have any criticisms from a technical standpoint or from a story standpoint. For me, I'm, I guess, in the, the theological clouds. I have a theological criticism of it.
0: We'll get to it.
1: Yeah, biblically speaking, when we talk about possession, I and I had this distinction in my head and maybe you can help me. Whenever Jesus was dealing with possessed individuals in the gospels, this was prior to his death and resurrection. And when uh when the apostles were dealing with possession in the book of Acts, they weren't necessarily possessed believers. My my issue is and those were those were issues of possession post resurrection, and when we read in certain letters like First Peter, where it says First uh, Peter Philippians, there's two different passages. First Peter, Jesus goes to you know hell basically and preaches in hell to the spirits. There are two passages: one in chapter three where he preaches to the spirits that were held in prison from the days of Noah, and then. Uh, I believe it's chapter four where he preaches to the the underworld in general. So if those if those things are true, then what do we do with possession post-resurrection? And well, I don't think this this movie gets to that issue.
0: Well, firstly, not everyone listening to this is gonna hold the same Christian metaphysic as others facts uh, the, the the film is that's
1: what I'm a nerd what what the, can I say the
0: film dramatizes um, something that supposedly happened in real life by the way mm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and to answer your question to get into the hermeneutics of all those ancient texts, I think we go too long for right now. I'll just <laughs> yes. note them as your criticisms because yes,
1: that's you, my criticism. You,
0: you want to know where this film's point of view on the demonic falls in line or on a spectrum near the scriptures, and I would probably suppose other scriptural teachings or other folk religions, uh, certain tribal groups, and so on. But but for mm-hmm. now, let's ask the question like they do in Buffy the Vampire Slayer once more with feeling. It's great musical episode. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from
1: here? I would sing it, but then we would lose our one listener.
0: Yeah, and where we're going, as we said at the <laughs> top, is to uh, the exorcism of Emily Rose, and then we're going to follow that up with the last exorcism. Friends, as always, it's been a joy to have you. Like us, subscribe to us, share with your friends, We're just nerding out, having a good time, and invite you along to think about horror films in a way that is more than just shock and awe, but makes sense about life. Take care.
1: Bye, guys.